0: Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Gielen
1: And I'm Connor Flannery.
0: And this is our 66th official episode. Today, we're talking NBA awards. The season's wrapping up, but the bubble is still happening. But we're, we're getting close to the end, so we want to hand out awards for the most valuable player, defensive player of the year, most improved player, rookie of the year, coach of the year, sixth man of the year, and executive of the year. I'm really excited. Course, Let's get into it.
1: The, the games that are being played in the bubble, they renounced recently won't count towards any of these awards so it makes it fitting that we're not quite at the t- at the time or next episode might be some kind of playoffs predictions we're not quite y- there yet but we've also finished everything you we need to see for this award show um so yeah so let's let's do it
0: yeah and so honestly i feel like this year is a bit is a bit more cookie cutter than in years past i think there's mm-hmm. there's a clear mvp there's a clear etc et or, or at least there's it's not just pick A or B. There's it's either it's either just anyone could win it or or there's a clear guy. And I think for the most valuable player award, there's absolutely a clear guy. And I'm wearing his jersey right now. I think it's Giannis. For me, th- this is one of the best seasons of all time. If you look at for sure. DER player efficiency rating, it, it's not a perfect stat, but right now it's it's pretty much the the most all encompassing. Sort of metric, along with maybe, maybe Raptor, like I don't know, Net so rating. A few other, yeah, net, net rating. But if you look at just per, takes into account all different per game statistics. Giannis has the best season of all time, <laughs> of all time. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, just for con, he's a he's a per of of thirty two flat, I think, and and the and that's the highest of all time. The second highest. Is thirty-one point eight with Will Chamberlain, then it's thirty-one point seven with Wilt Chamberlain, then it's thirty one point seven with Michael Jordan, and then you just go down the list. LeBron, Jordan, Wilt, LeBron, uh, Curry's uh unanimous season, Jordan, Jordan, LeBron, and then Giannis obviously, from last season.
1: Obviously elite company. Yeah. And yeah. Giannis, like, Giannis like from last said.
0: season was like thirteenth, you know? And so he just he just got that much better and he won the MVP last year. So
1: to, to put it, it bluntly, he's having one of the best individual regular seasons in NBA history. And, and to pick anybody else for MVP this season would kind of be blasphemy. I understand that people like to would like to pick LeBron James. One of the cases I think people are making is just like, he's 35. It's his 17th year. He's doing this in year 17. That's not what MVP is. It doesn't <laughs> matter how old you are. Like I don't care if you're 19 or if you're 40. It doesn't make you any more you know, likely to win MVP. It's just who is the most valuable player. Um, so stop. If, if that's your reasoning, stop. I understand LeBron James missing, was making a push at the end of the season. Um, and so if we had seen the last 20 games of the season, if we had had a full 82-game regular season, who knows? This might have been closer. Um, but there is kind of no stat that you can find that will say LeBron James should be MVP this the season. I'm sorry. Even a lot of people will point to the Lakers were actually, like, you know, they they were getting outscored by, like, one and a half points per 100 possessions when LeBron James is off the court. Yeah, and then they're, like, they're very good with LeBron James on the court. That's the sort of on-off-court stuff. Whereas the Bucks are still positive. They still outscore opponents by, like, four points per game when Giannis is off the court. The thing is, they outscored opponents by, like, 16 points per game when he's on the court. So, even so, the difference between when Giannis is on and off the court is massive. He's doing it in fewer minutes per game. He's putting up better stats across the board. He's more efficient. He's a better defender. We'll get to the defensive player of the year as well, but like, he's at the top of the list for that. So Giannis is like quite literally having one of the best individual regular seasons of all time, topping his MVP season performance from last year. Um, and, and I think that both of us kind of saw this coming. I think you might have had him as your number one guy for MVP at the beginning of the season. I'm pretty, no, you, it you had him three. As, three. I, I love, I, had Le, I had
0: LeBron, I had LeBron okay. is my number one.
1: I had, I had him um, in my top two. I said it was either Jokic or Giannis. And so obviously the Jokic thing hasn't come true. Um,
0: You're going to die on that Jokic hill.
1: Yeah. I was <laughs> like, I remember, you know, you were like, oh, Steph Curry could win it. Or something like that. Like he was one of your guys. And I was like, I was like, I'm sorry. I don't see anybody except for Jokic or Giannis winning it. Um, And I feel like Jokic's day might still be on the horizon. Watch out. Next year, I might pick him again. Um, (laughs) You definitely will. (laughs) Probably will. Uh, I don't know. Did he let me down a little bit this season as I picked him for MVP? Maybe. Um, But it was sort of a stretch anyway. Um, He would have had to put together a pretty perfect storyline to win MVP when I thought there was a chance he would do that. And if not, old reliable Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to take it again. Best record in the league. I don't know why we're still talking about this.
0: Yeah. The runner-up is LeBron. I think he's a yeah. pretty solid number two. And then you could probably go Harden or Luka for number three. Mm-hmm. Um, On to defense player of the year. I'm wearing his jersey again. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my guy, Giannis. I think he's taken yeah. home both MVP and defensive player of the year. The only other two players in NBA history to, to win uh, MVP and defense player of the year the same season. Do, do you know who they are? On, on a test for trivia. Hmm. You, you you know it, but... Okay. I know. I mean, I mean,
1: Jordan, Jordan yeah. won Defensive Player of the Year. So, yeah, I'm guessing it's him. Um, yeah. The other one?
0: All-time blocks leader. Hakeem. Yeah.
1: Okay. They, both, they won it like,
0: back-to-back years or something. I was like, okay. It was just wow. like, a, it was like a fad. Wow. Like. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right. So, yeah, honestly. The, so, he's in, he's officially going to be if he wins, he's going to be in Hakeem and Jordan's company, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually I was open to maybe putting Anthony Davis spoiler mm-hmm. he's my number he's my number two, and then Gobert is my number three. The case for Gobert is he's still probably the best rim protector in the league. He he uh, he can contest by far more shots than these two, um, and that's kind of by virtue of just playing in the paint. But mm-hmm. he like leads the league in contests by like a bunch. Um, and I guess the case against Giannis is that he's not a rim protector, so he's he's not contesting as many shots, which is true. He's he's connect uh he's contesting like so many less two pointers than both of these guys, and he's also like not really guarding defenders in the pick and roll. Um but but I still think that like he just tears people apart. He can guard one through five. The advanced stats absolutely back him up. And I, I understand he's playing with mm-hmm. like Brooke Lopez and Eric Bledsoe were good defenders, but he's he was just tearing teams apart. And often the defensive player of the year is just the best defensive player on the best defensive team.
1: So uh, I, I to, uh, first off, I agree with your one, two, three of Giannis, Dave really? Davis, Rudy Gobert. That's the, that's the way I had it too. Um, hmm. So I'm, we're on the same page with that, so I don't have any arguing to do. But I'll play sort of devil's advocate here for a second. Um, I, like sort of building off your case against Giannis thing, um, in addition to, you could argue that both Jan, uh, that, that Rudy Gobert and Anthony Davis as a more traditional rim protector, as kind of usually playing the center, maybe not Anthony Davis as much, you know, that he has like JaVale and Dwight Howard, but I would argue he's still the best, but by far the best rim protector on that team and probably gets a lot more of those responsibilities than Giannis does because he has Brooke Lopez. Um, so they're they, they are more responsible for sort of a team defense and pretty much every possession are the last line of defense between, you know, when, when that, you know, your point guard is barreling off a of pick and roll, right? So that's sort of the argument against Giannis is that he doesn't play as much of a team defense role because he's not the, the room protector when you have Brooke Lopez on the court. There's also the argument that even though the Bucks are the best defensive team in the NBA according to their defensive rating, um, they have Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, Dante DiVincenzo, Wesley Matthews, Brooke Loeb, like he has a lot of really good defenders around him. Um, so how oh, much do you want to credit Giannis for that defensive rating?
0: Although I will say that I'm I'm taking this statistic from this great article on ESPN mm-hmm. by, by Zach Lowe, but opponents hit only 41.8% of shots at the rim with Ante Kukumbo nearby, which is by far the yeah. lowest in a league for NBA.com. Um, mm-hmm. And and also but, but, but thing you, you have like again you have you have the knock on Giannis. like yeah he yeah he's by far the best like rim protector in the league by percentage but um, he, per 100 possessions he only he only is the closest defender on on like 15 and a half of them whereas Anthony Davis it's it's 20 and a half and for Gobert it's 29 you know yeah. so 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 Gobert is getting twice the amount of contests at the rim, as Anthony, as uh, as Giannis, and so, but like that, that's like, oh, do you go for the, what has he done throughout the season, or like the quality, you know?
1: Yeah, and I, I think
0: it's enough quality.
1: the The argument for Gobert is that he probably makes the greatest defensive impact out of anybody in the conversation for depot this year. Um, the argument against him is that the Jazz were tenth in defensive rating. Um, he's coming off back to back Defensive Player of the Year, um, you know, wins, but. The, bu- the sorry, the Jazz this year aren't top three in defensive rating. So it makes it pretty hard to give it to him because that's usually of the pool that you would draw from. As we already mentioned, the Bucks are number one. Raptors are number two. So you could throw somebody from the Raptors in the conversation, but I'm not even really sure who that would be. Like, probably Pascal Siakam. But is he really defensive player of the year conversation? I don't think so. Um, also, s- think. side
0: note, um, in, in terms of just like uh, – I think on on ISO on ISOs, Giannis is the best ISO defender in the league. Mm-hmm. Like it's well, just it's pure clampage.
1: That's that's sort of the last the last point in the point the argument for Giannis because I haven't really done that yet. Um, is his versatility? There's first of all he can guard all five positions, and second of all, as Zach Lowe pointed out in that article that you referenced, there's no weakness that Giannis has in the defensive end. You can attack him on the perimeter in ISOs. You can attack him. In the pick and roll, forcing him to switch. You can attack him at the rim. Force him to be a rim protector. No matter what, Giannis is an elite defender. There's no situation you, you like. He doesn't foul. He doesn't make stupid mistakes. You know, it, he's just the ideal defensive player in the, for the modern day NBA. Um, and he's backed that statement up every step of the way this season, um, and from every area of the court. So. I mean, I think I think that if if you have if you were to have like any one defender to guard, you know, uh, he's kind of I don't I don't, know, I don't know how to put it other than like he's the perfect defender because he can do it all on the, end of the court. Even though he has a lot of help, which will of course inflate the Milwaukee Bucks defensive stats.
0: Yeah. So let's let's move on to, in my opinion, the most contentious award on this list: most improved. Just because mm-hmm. you could I, you could give this to six guys, and I I wouldn't be angry about it you know but my top three in order is um and and these three were like clearly the top three for me but in order it goes one jason tatum two brandon ingram three bam Adebayo.
1: wow okay so i didn't have jason tatum in my top two i only i only yeah
0: i originally Um, had him at three and i was just like i I, I like talked myself into it
1: that's a bit of a hot take because I think that most people would have said this is a two-man race between Brandon Ingram and Bam Matabaya, which is the way that I saw it. Now, when you were saying, okay, there's six people that you could, that you could give it to, and you wouldn't be mad. I was thinking, okay, there's three for me, Brandon Inger, Bam Matabaya and Jason Tatum, even though I never really considered Jason Tatum. Um, my argument against him would be that I don't think he really, you know, went pedal to the metal to like the last 20 games of the season. Um, so. Sure, he made a huge jump from last season to the end of the season, but I don't think his beginning of the season was that elite. Um, I mean, he
0: his scoring went up by eight eight, yeah, eight points per game, is. and and it only went up like six for Brandon Ingram and uh, like seven for Bam. Yeah, I'm I'm saying like I originally I was like 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 the narrative is oh yeah like like he was okay for the first half amazing for the second half I'm like well I mean the season as a whole he he has the numbers to win it he has the improvement margins to, w- to win it plus I think that like that's just kind of like to get you there like like it, it in my head it's like we're like we're, we're taking like ACT SAT so it's like like that's not going to get you into college but that's going to like make you like that's gonna put you in the pool. Like like that's just like check the box, see if you can get this score. And once you do, then you look at everything else. So you you look at the oh did he make a leap of like a significant amount of points, rebounds, assists, blah blah, blah. Okay, now let's take a look at like what skills you actually improved on. And that's uh. why that's where that's where all three of these players excel. All three of them for different reasons. I think you could make an argument that Brendan just got better at everything. Um that Bam was a better passer. Yeah. I think Jason Tatum being the best player on the Celtics, like going into the that's season. A, that's yeah, a little it, little it, no, it's not. I, I don't think it is, dude. Like oh, there's it, a lot it, of people just watching Kemba. Celtics. I don't, wa- no. I'm not
1: even going to disagree, but a lot of people would say Kemba.
0: I, I would say Kemba, but then I heard, I heard someone.
1: Yeah. I like, think it's probably that, Jason that I,
0: respect, Tatum. Yeah. I heard someone that I respect say it's definitely Jason Tatum. I'm like, what really? Like this is two weeks ago. Yeah. And I watched a Celtics game. I was like, Oh yeah, they're, they're a hundred percent. Right.
1: Like since the bubble came back. Yeah. Like Kempo hasn't been great. Jason Tatum took over in one of those games, but he also had like five points in one of the games as well. So we'll see, we need a bigger sample size, I guess. But, um, argument again, uh, furthering my argument against Jason Tatum, his efficiency is actually down, um, in from the field, from three and from the free throws, not, not just from last season because his three point percentage is up from last season, but it's down from his first season still. Um, which was, you know, like 43% in the series, 40%. Jason Tatum's had an awesome season, which is why I'm not getting mad at you. Like, I I don't think it's a bad take at all to put Jason Tatum as your most improved player. I think it's Brandon Ingram, though, um, because I I didn't really even formulate an argument against against, um, Jason Tatum. I formulated it against Bam Adebayo. So first of all, I'll argue against Bam Adebayo. I already argued against Jason Tatum. Bam Adebayo, I saw it mostly as increased opportunity um as hassan whiteside left and so everybody kind of saw the bam out of bio jump coming so i remember before the season i didn't pick jason i, I mean when we were doing we did predictions for um for all these nba awards so if you want to go check that out and see see how right we were uh, compare with this episode you're more than welcome to do that um, but i remember connor that you had bam out of bio really high if not number one on that list um yeah and I didn't put him on mine because was like kind of everybody was saying that and so that sort of leaves me with a bad taste in my mouth it's like did he really improve that much if everybody knew he was going to be most improved uh, so that sort of makes me think is like he had to be doing something really well last year if everybody knew all of a yeah. a sudden this season he was going to come out and average 15 you know, 10 and five or whatever he's putting up. 15, yeah,
0: I think it definitely the, the increased opportunity. That, that's why I think it's fair to pick Brandon Ingram.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: because I think, I think Brandon Ingram, he, he increased his points per game, but, like, he also just, like, got, like, better at shooting. He yep. got better at pull-ups. He got better at catching two threes. Um, and he, it, it's, he, he's dropped an, an efficient 24 a game for a playoff competitive team. Whereas, like, a year ago on, on the Lakers, he was, like, their second option. And he was kind of, like, a disaster a little bit. Yeah. Like, he still had promised, but he was kind of a disaster. I guess. Um, so, part, I, part I respect
1: the, the pick. Part of the argument is, is uh, I think if you had asked a lot of people, if you'd done a poll of who was the best player that the Pelicans got in return for Anthony Davis, I think you would have gotten a pretty high percentage of people voting for Alonzo Ball over Brandon Ingram. That's sort of the way I looked at. So in terms of the value or in the way that Brandon Ingram is perceived as an NBA player, I, I think he has kind of taken the biggest leap out of these guys. Maybe that's not fair to Bam. I, I do think it's fair to Jason Tatum. I think Jason Tatum was already – everybody knew Jason Tatum was great. But Brandon Ingram basically went from people that somebody that was – that a lot of people were running off as a bust to a legit all-star. It um, it's impressive all three of these guys. franchise cornerstone
0: all three of these guys are first time all-stars yeah which you don't always get that like three, yeah. like third year players and
1: and not yeah and not sophomore players um because yeah. that's that's always one of the things is people don't want to vote for sophomore players or second year players to be uh, most improved like there's if, a reason if, if that they don't
0: improve something's wrong you know trey
1: young and luca are in this conversation even though of course they got better um luca went from very good to mvp conversation so um yeah I, I, I guess I, I wouldn't even have really factored Jason Tatum into this conversation, but I think all three of these guys have a legit argument. I'm still sticking with Brandon Ingram, though. And I'm still sticking with Jason Tatum.
0: All right. All right. Rookie of the year. Um, this is – there's no option for for number one. It's it's John Morant, right? Um, agreed. Agreed. Grizzlies were projected to win, like, 26 games. They're going to win the, the seasonal equivalent of, like, 42. Mm-hmm. Um, if if we had a full season and that's all because of John Morant like yeah they have some good role players but even they like they traded Jay Crowder Iggy didn't play um, they had some injury issues and they were still amazing and, and it's because John Morant can take it coast to coast he can make his teammates better he can score he can just do it all and I, I'm just so happy for him and he's an awesome guy by the way like I I have his shirt and I'm mm-hmm. just like I'm proud man like yeah, he, he's he's very cool. I have a I have a I have a Murray State John Morant jersey coming. That's sick. Uh, yeah, I know. Right. That's
1: sick. I'm jealous of that. I uh I put I put in my notes. Puts up big numbers, makes his teammates better, gets wins. Um, and that's sort of all you need to know about John Morant and his case for rookie of the year. Uh, I I, I also said, um, other than Zion, the best rookie season by a country mile. Um, <laughs> I, I I really don't think it was close. Um, a
0: city it? mile. A city mile, not a city mile, a not country a
1: mile. mile, a country mile. Uh, I like that phrase. Start using it more. But uh, but the but Zion Williamson, my number two, was really the only the only contender I saw. Um, and it it's kind of weird because I think he's both ineligible and the closest to John Yeah, Moran.
0: I I didn't, I didn't want to put him. Nineteen I,
1: I, games doesn't even really make him eligible. But like literally, does it make it him eligible? Yes. But is anybody going to vote for him? not really because he's ne- he's only played 19 games. Um, statistically, win-wise, efficiency-wise, uh, he's ridiculous. He's, he's everything we expected him to be in his rookie season when healthy. Um, now there are issues of why aren't the Pelicans playing him more minutes? Why does he always look gassed? Um, but that doesn't really factor into the rookie of the year thing. Um, uh, that's sort of his future. That wasn't really the regular season. Um, I, so I think I think had we seen another twenty games in a full eighty-two game season, Zion might have made this a real race. You can't play nineteen games and win, Ricky Deer. Sorry. So John Morant, congratulations.
0: Who do you have as your runner-up? Zion. Oh really? I, okay. I, yeah, I, yeah. So
1: yeah, yeah. I don't know. I might. I might have. Sort sure, of not made this clear. I, my my sort of joke is that like I don't even think Zion's eligible, and I think he's the next closest guy. Oh, okay, I yeah, think yeah, It's yeah. that big like, of a gap between Ja and like Kendrick Nunn or whoever else you want. To play. Yeah, I,
0: I had Kendrick Nunn second. He's putting up like 15 and a half points. Yeah. On on like a solid playoff team as a starter, you know, mm-hmm. like you could argue it's I don't know, just like Tyler Hero, but he comes off the bench. You could argue it's I don't know, like RJ Brandon Clark, but they have smaller roles on worse teams. Yeah, and, and to, to be like a real like starter on a on a solid playoff team, that's as a rookie, that's very well, impressive.
1: John Morant is the first or second best player on the current uh, on a current playoff team in the Western Conference. I think that's all you need to know.
0: Yeah, um, um, I'm right. saying Kendrick Nunn is yeah, the backup.
1: Kendrick Kendrick Nunn is, you know, a solid starter on.
0: So Kendrick Nunn on a, is on like a
1: playoff team in the East.
0: Kendrick no, Nunn that is that like an, an old. Kendrick Nunn is an old man, dude. He's—he's also—he he's like, also
1: just turned twenty-five. Um, that doesn't disqualify him from Rookie of the Year because he is a rookie. But I feel like I'd be more likely to consider him if he was nineteen. Um, no yeah. offense, no offense, Kendrick Nunn. Okay, let's throw over to Coach of the Year. Who you got?
0: Well, for Coach of the Year, for context, they—they they announced it like yesterday.
1: Oh, true, um, true, true.
0: So they announced it. It was co-Coach of the Year because there was a tie, and. It was it was uh, Mike Boonholzer of the bucks and it was Billy Donovan, Billy Donovan of OKC and so I, I was like do I agree with this do I disagree with this and part of me is just like man I really don't think Billy Donovan is a good coach <laughs> yeah. I don't I think I, I attribute it to Chris Paul I do not think Billy Donovan is a good coach so I was like All right. I'm I am not voting for this man on space to floor tomorrow so I, I <laughs> so I didn't because Literally the whole narrative like last year and the year before, like with, with Paul George and, and Russell Westbrook, it's like, oh, their offense is so dumb, it's so simple. Yeah. And, and like Billy Donovan just didn't become like an insanely good coach overnight. So I
1: that almost maybe uh, on on the flip side, that almost may be more likely to vote for Billy Donovan or more likely to agree with the fact that Billy Donovan won, you know, co coach of the year, um because he went from we gotta fire this guy to coach of the year conversation in like one off season. Um, I think it's pretty awesome in, in terms of exceeding expectations. I don't know. Like the Thunder are, are crazy good and I don't think anybody saw it coming. And if you did kudos, um, but I, I don't know where you really attribute that. Or do you say like, okay, Shea is better than we thought he was. Chris Paul was better than he thought he, wa- we, he was. Um, this unit is better than we thought they would be. Um, Billy Donovan is actually a better coach than we thought he was. No, There are a lot of things that I think went well for the Thunder that sort of, you know, make them, that equivalent, uh, equivalent, is that even a word? I don't equate? know. Equate. Yeah. You know, summer, summer talk. that yeah. equate to the Thunder being the fifth seed in the Western Conference um, that we really just didn't see coming. It's a lot of interesting variables. How much weight do you give the Billy Donovan stuff? I don't know. I, probably not that much. Probably not that much. But uh, but his his peers give him a lot of credit.
0: Yeah, and so Nick Nurse was actually one vote away yeah. from a three way tie, which was like. Thank man. you for mentioning that. And I was like, man, he should have won it. So he's my number Agreed. one. Agreed. Agreed. Nick Nurse, your number one too. Oh uh,
1: yeah. I, okay. I, so I, explain why. The sort of the same thing with Billy Donovan I, of of the Thunder exceeded expectations. Um, I think the Thunder this year have, or sorry, the Ra- the Raptors this year have been way better than their roster on paper would suggest. They have the second best defensive rating in the league. Um, the the, Ra- the Raptors are just awesome. Um, and I don't think that you can really attribute it that much to like Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, uh, Marcus and Serge Ibaka. Because like, although those guys are great, I forgot OG Ananobi. Shout out to OG Ananobi. Super underrated.
0: Are, are you going to remind me of my preseason rankings?
1: I don't know. I could, I don't, I, <laughs> I,
0: I, Hey, that, that's part of the reason I want to pick Nick nurse. I was I think, like, well, yeah, well, prove me wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, did he prove you wrong? Did Pascal Siakam prove you wrong? I don't know. It, it, we weren't another interesting question here of like, who was the one that exceeded expectations or was kind of everybody exceeded expectations? The Raptors just really, really, really good, and I don't think many people saw this coming either. I think they're the second seed in the the Eastern Conference right now. Um, They're, I think, the only legit threat to the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference. That could come back to bite me, but I don't think it will. Um, So, yeah, so I think think Nick Nurse deserves a lot of credit. I think he's an elite coach. Um, and, And to me, it would sort of be between him and Mike Budenholzer, and I don't want to give it to Mike Budenholzer because he has the MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the same person, the one and only alien that is Giannis Antetokounmpo.
0: Yeah. I i put, I put Budenholzer second. Um, and I put Taylor Jenkins third. Taylor Jenkins is the coach of the Grizzlies. Yep. Is I'm like, there's, I, I feel like there's no way John Moran can just like do this himself. I'm pretty sure like.
1: Taylor Jenkins uh, deserves a lot of credit for sure.
0: Yeah. He's a new coach and they're just so much better than one would think. hmm uh, so yeah. that's why. And I, I just put Mike Budenholzer because it's one thing when he got hired last year to go from okay to very good, but it's another thing to go from good to historically good. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I, I gave I him credit for that.
1: I kind of don't want to give Mike Budenholzer because he won it last year, but he definitely deserves to be in the running. Um, yeah. And the interesting thing about this is like coaches don't put up stats. It's kind of hard to, to, to read what the coach does outside of like how good the team is, but then it also, the, the players deserve a lot of credit for that as well. So you get into a little bit of a gray area, but I think that the other coaches sort of making it basically a three-way tie between Nick Nurse, Billy Donovan, and Mike Budenholzer kind of speaks volumes. Um, and so I think all three of those guys – you know what's interesting? Eric Spolstra, we didn't mention him yet. I think he deserves some credit too. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I, I I like the sort of three-way tie thing that they almost had, the one boat away from. I don't know. Yeah. Coach of the Year is a weird one. All right, sixth man of the year.
0: This this one was very hard, um, because I think it could definitely go two ways. I think it could either go Dennis Schroeder, or fill in the blank.
1: Lou Will but, slash Montrezl no, Harrell.
0: No Montrezl Harrell. I, Lou Williams is my third pick, and I was I was so surprised until I actually d- dived into the stats. I was like, I I was like, okay, I have to prep like do I want to be generic and pick Lou Williams or do I want to like try to make an argument yeah. for someone else? Then I was like, Oh wait, no. Like I, it's Ruben. not, it's not, it's not Lou Williams. Yeah. Um, and so I put, I put Dennis first, but honestly I could so easily argue Montrez Harrell. Like I, I, it would be a tie for me. It would honestly be a tie, but I think Dennis gets the edge just because when you plug him into the starting lineup, the Thunder, that lineup is like the best, Lineup of all time.
1: Yeah, um, I love how that's become like a running theme. At every <laughs> we talk about that in every episode. now that's really good should. find by you. It's yeah, ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Um, so if, if you don't that, know what we're talking about,
1: there's like there's a lineup. It's the Thunder's best five. It's the three headed point guard monster plus Gallinari and Stephen Adams. And they and they, have an like, they have an offensive rating of
0: like they have offense rating like 128 120. points. Yeah. And they have like 128 like 127, points 100 Yeah, yeah. And then their defense is like 98, which is also very very good. The best um,
1: defensive rating in the league is like one oh one for the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> so they'd have the best offensive and defensive rating in the league if that was a team. Um, which is yeah. crazy.
0: So I, I, I think I'm gonna attribute that kinda to Dennis. And also like the the he he kind of carries their bench. Like their bench does not have that many skilled players. Like mm-hmm. Amadou Diallo can't shoot, Terrence Ferguson can't really shoot, Mike Muscal's bad. Um
1: Wow <laughs> I don't know. kind of like, going in you're not wrong
0: I, I, yeah I mean like the only the only guy who I like trust there is like New Noel I'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah okay
0: yeah. New Noel okay um so that, that's why I'm going them but I could so easily mm-hmm. argue Montres Harrell just because puts he puts up like as good if not better numbers than Dennis and also uh he plays as big of a role for a better team um it, like their crunch time lineup they take out Zubak and put in Montrezl Harrell for the Clippers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 um, I, I went with Dennis Schroeder too here. I, and I think honestly, it, I think it's kind of personal bias. Um, like I think that, I think that out of Lou Will, Montrezl Harrell and Dennis Schroeder, Dennis Schroder gets the least attention and is therefore the most underrated of the three. Whereas like, I don't think we need to talk about Montrezl Harrell and Lou Williams anymore. Um, Lou Williams is like, let's give him his 17, sixth man of the year. Like, okay, I don't really want to. <laughs> no thanks. And Montrose Harrell, I think he's very good. I don't think he can play defense for his life. And I think he's, <laughs> I think he's good for like five minutes at a time. Um, so I think Montrose Harrell has like pretty significant weaknesses. So I guess I think that Dennis Schroeder's a better player than Montrose Harrell. Now, does that mean that he should win sixth man of the year over him? Maybe not. Um, but I went with Dennis Schroeder.
0: Okay, cool. Sue me. Sue me okay and lastly executive of the year you didn't know we were doing this until we signed on so have you have you brainstormed
1: I have I I don't think it's I think i went pretty generic here but uh but yeah I got I got my answers
0: okay I I actually I only did a first place yeah Um, give me give me your answers I'm gonna be so upset if if we're the same
1: guy go first my first mine is Lawrence Frank um the LA Clippers oh okay Um, I didn't even go with that I just looked up an article of like who should be the 2020 executive of the year and the top three were Lawrence Frank, Sam Presti, and uh, David Griffin. Um, I picked Lawrence Frank because getting Kawhi and Paul George in the same offseason is like ridiculous. Um, yeah. and, and they're like the second best team in the West. So shout out to Lawrence Frank. I don't really know much about him other than that he did that. So
0: yeah, for, for me, and honestly, I think that could also like go to Jerry West. Um, like True. just because he plays that role for the Clippers I went with Sam Presti because I, I don't know I don't find it that impressive to like sign Kawhi Leonard like that wasn't like you being a great executive that was you having the job in LA and um, whoever like player is tampering behind the scenes like that's not really like you but I think the, the Paul George thing was definitely the the, the move And also, I guess you go with the LA Lakers too because they like got Anthony Davis. But I I would think, I think Sam Presti because not only did he get incredible value for Paul George, the Thunder were good this year. So I think that's literally the best of both worlds when you're trading away your best player. And then you also traded your other best player, Russell Westbrook, and got great value in return. Chris Paul was like... Were they
1: both both last offseason?
0: Yeah. It's weird, right? That's
1: kind of... I don't know like why this
0: entire it. Thunder team is new, except for Steven Adams. Yeah. And I guess Dennis Crazy. Schroeder. Yeah. So shout weird. out
1: to Sam Presti for that.
0: Yeah. He's, de- he's definitely my guy.
1: Yeah. I guess, um, I like, I feel like, you know, Kawhi and Paul George super team is like bigger names than, um, than like Chris Paul, Shea Gill, Giselle Alexander, Dennis Schroeder whatever. Yeah. Like it's more, it's almost like uh, more mind blowing that Kawhi and Paul George are suddenly on the same team. Um, but it, I guess Sam Presti deserves a lot of credit for like tearing it down to zero—not zero, Not zero mm-hmm. but trading away. Like as you mentioned, trading away his two best players and getting Doing it better, well, getting yeah. better.
0: They got better,
1: getting better. <laughs> and how
0: they—they they, they have like they acquired through those two trades. They acquired like. Six first round picks. True, they got better now and in the future. And also, this is like this is just a little extra thing. They got another first round pick for trading away Jeremy Grant to the to the to uh, the Nuggets.
1: Wow! They
0: acquired like seven first round picks in the past year. You know what?
1: Shout out to Sam Presti. He might have to be my number one now. That's ridiculous. Sam Presti Presti fan club. And I don't know if you would have said after the Chris Paul trade or the Paul George trade. Yeah, I don't think so. The Thunder won. Like, I think people saw this as like a, okay, they'll just trade Chris Paul at the deadline and then be bad. You know, I think mean, that's what yeah. I was saying. It was like, yeah. they're going to be like, okay, this season, like be close to the playoffs, not make it. And then trade Chris Paul at the deadline. Um, yeah. They're a lot better than that. Yeah. So the same way you were wrong about the Raptors, I guess I was wrong with the Thunder.
0: Yeah. All right. So we had a lot of similarities. So So let's just go down the line. Yeah. MVP, I had Giannis. Giannis. You had Giannis. Mm-hmm. Defense Player of the Year, I had Giannis. I also had, had Giannis. You had Giannis. Most improved, I had Jason Tatum.
1: Gimme Brian Ingram.
0: Rookie of the Year, I had John ja Morant. Same here. Coach of the Year, Nick Nurse. Yep. We had so many of the same. Sixth man of the year, Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder. Dude, <laughs> it was it was very it it was kind of cookie it cutter was, this you year. Said
1: at the beginning, you said at the beginning it was cookie cutter. And by the way, we didn't know each other's lists were. No, um, we didn't. But we kind of knew that I think that they were gonna be pretty similar. Because it's just yeah. It, I think that it, it kind of worked out the season where it's like we had our Twitter beef or whatever, but it, it kind of it kind of all just settled out and it was it was pretty clear cut by the end of it. Yeah. False some- on
0: Twitter, by the way, at Space the Floor. We've been tweeting a lot during the NBA bubble. For sure. Um and executive Sam Presti the GOAT. Yeah Um okay I so- can get on board with that. All right, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Space The Floor Podcast. If, you, uh, if you're listening on YouTube, like, and subscribe, we really appreciate it. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we're on Spotify, by the way, now. Uh, subscribe, so listen to more episodes. True. Follow us on Instagram at Space The Floor Podcast and on Twitter at Space The Floor. And thank you so much. My name is Connor Geelan.
1: And I'm Connor Flannery.
0: And see you next time. Peace. Shout out to us, the same Presty fan club.
1: And TJ Warren.
0: And TJ Warren.